pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. A wretched soul, bruised with adversity, we bid be quiet when we hear it cry. But were we burdened with like weight of pain, as much or more should we ourselves complain? Welcome to the show. Life Before Death is a moving documentary film. It's already won four awards, including a prestige award, best of show in the best shorts competition, an accolade award, and the Indie Fest Award. The film features the worldwide battle by physicians and nurses to stop the epidemic of pain that threatens to condemn one in every 10 people to die a painful death. Through the eyes of patients and their families, we experience very personally the agony of not having essential pain medicines like morphine, as well as the life-restoring effects that morphine can offer. Mike Hill, the director, writer, and producer, joins us to share his vision for the film. Then Dr. Kathleen Foley, cancer pain and palliative care specialist and featured expert in the documentary, discusses solutions to this problem of universal dimensions. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentech Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Mike Hill directed, wrote, and co-produced with his wife, Sue Collins, the documentary film Life Before Death. He's directed three award-winning documentaries and is currently in production on a documentary for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Mike is also an experienced television and commercial producer with over 20 hours of produced credits. He joins us from Australia to share his aspirations and vision for the film. Mike, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. In the introductory scene of the movie, Dr. Balfour Mount, who's a Canadian palliative care pioneer, says we're all going to face our mortality at some point. The question is how we're going to die, and that is, are we going to die with pain, isolation, or with community and support? And he also states that we have the freedom to choose that response. When I watched the film, however, I felt like many really don't have that choice, especially in developing countries. What is your sense? I think the statement is directed to those of us who are lucky enough to be healthy today and who aren't facing an end-of-life scenario or a life-limiting illness today. We do have the choice to make a difference in this epidemic of pain that's spreading around the globe, and it's our responsibility to do something about it. Mike, why did you make the film? The impetus for the film was that 
2009 World Health Organization report that stated a very alarming statistic that 600 million people alive today are likely to suffer um, in pain with inadequate access to pain relief medications. It's a staggering number. It's one in every 10 of us are going to suffer very severe untreated pain if things continue as they are today. And uh, this is actually a situation that will affect 80% of the globe. Uh, it's very alarming and little um, do many of us know in developing countries that this is also a problem in countries like the United States. 600 million people. That's a staggering number who may experience untreated severe pain across the world. Mike, do you think that the war on drugs in the United States occurs in the developing countries that you feature in the film, like Uganda, India, or China? Uh, I think we can all acknowledge that illicit drug use and uh, trafficking generates huge social problems. However, that should not be at the detriment of patients facing life-limiting illness and receiving essential pain medicines. And the way that international regulations are set up right now is that the law enforcement of the so-called war on drugs interferes with access to those essential pain medicines. Your film highlights how inexpensive those essential pain medicines are, like morphine. For example, it's less than the cost of a half a loaf of bread in India, yet millions suffer in pain at the end of life. Mike, what do you see as the way out of this problem? The solution, we feel, is uh, mobilizing more public support educating people so they understand the, the issue. And this is one global health problem that if we work together, we can solve. Yes, education is clearly important. One of the scenes where you depict this is the opium is the Australian opium poppy manufacturer who demonstrates for us that a small amount of crushed opium powder, about five grams, could be therapeutic for up to 500 people. I mean, a very small amount can provide a huge benefit. It's a fascinating and incredible substance, uh, opium and the compounds um, that produce these pain relieving medications. And when you look at the manufacturing process, you see that this is just a pretty standard agricultural process. So the issue is not with the production or the cost. The issue is with the regulation and some of the attitudes around these types of medications. And we saw time and time again the transforming uh, effects that these medicines can have when people are suffering in severe pain. They go from being curled up in a ball, crying out, to uh, being able to function in a relatively normal way. Absolutely. You know, Mike, I feel that the hospice nurse in Singapore encapsulates an important theme of the film. She says that every life is precious and sacred, and a lot can be achieved during this period of time. But I believe that the only way to achieve this peace at the end of life is if our pain is adequately controlled. What do you think? Look, I think there's much more to palliative care and hospice services than pain relief alone. However, it is the cornerstone, as you point out, because if you're suffering in pain, there's no way to deal with those important life issues or to enjoy your life. So it is a critical uh, tool in the kit uh, of the support services that are delivered by these folks. When we come back, we'll talk about how our value as a human being doesn't end when we die. We're speaking with Mike Hill, writer, director, and producer of the film Life Before Death. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. 
And you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. One of the things we want to bring around the end of life is dignity. Because at the end of life, your value as a human being does not stop. You leave people who know you, who love you, who care about you, and the memories of how they last saw you is what keeps them going. And sometimes because somebody died in peace with no pain, it's a good memory for those who are left behind, and it helps people cope with death. We're listening to the soundtrack of Mike Hill's documentary film called Life Before Death. Mike, what impact are you hoping the message will have on the audience? I think we can just put ourselves in those shoes and think about how traumatic that experience would be to see a loved one suffer with untreated pain at the end of their life. That is no way to say goodbye to someone. And uh, what will the scars be if we allow this to keep going on? Let's talk about pain at the end of life if we're living in India or Uganda. What can we expect in Uganda? If you're in that situation, often you don't know that this uh, essential medicine, as classified by the World Health Organization, Uh, exists or is available to you and that it should be available to you because it's as cheap as any other medicine in the hospital. So uh, you're very unlikely to know that it exists and you have little to no chance of receiving it because of the lack of access. There has been a huge implementation gap in access to morphine in uh, Uganda. However, uh, big steps have been made in terms of integrating palliative care and pain services into the national health policy. So at the moment, the focus is on getting medicines into the country and training nurses so that they can be administered. Okay, and how about India? Look, the situation in India is different state to state. Uh, There's terrific examples of good broad access, particularly in the state of Kerala. However, in in most parts of India, there is no access. And the reason for that is because of bureaucracy and regulation. That's tragic. Were there any scenes that completely transformed your view of pain at the end of life? I think uh, the story of Bernard in Singapore, who was formerly a a police officer or a tough guy, and uh, he got into a situation where he had very severe untreated cancer pain. Uh, to the point where he was considering suicide because the quality of his life was so low. Uh, And it was amazing to see the transformation that pain-relieving drugs and hospice brought to Bernard, who then picked up a pen and started writing poetry as a form of creative expression. He wrote a lot of poetry around uh, pain control and palliative care services, and we actually filmed with him at a celebration uh, with all of his friends and his family members coming together and celebrating his Uh, revived quality of life, and it was quite remarkable to see that transformation. Yes, that was a wonderfully uplifting scene. Mike, were there any interviews that were particularly emotional for you? Yes, absolutely. Jessica was a 15-year-old brain cancer patient who had gone from being a very normal, happy, energetic 
girl um, to having to grapple with uh, quite severe disability brought on by uh, the symptoms of her cancer. And uh, we formed a very close um, relationship with Jessica uh, through our son. Um, the producers of this film, myself and Sue Collins, are a husband and wife filmmaking team. And when we were traveling and first met Jessica, our baby boy uh, really won her over and uh, they formed a very close bond. And it was amazing to see uh, to see that that person, you know, and and, and not a patient, uh, actually really loving life and doing everything they could to enjoy every moment they had. Tune in next time as we continue talking to Mike Hill about his documentary and delve deeper into the global problem of untreated pain. Up next is Dr. Kathleen Foley, cancer pain and palliative care specialist and featured expert in the film. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies, dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. Dr. Kathleen Foley is an attending neurologist in the Pain and Palliative Care Service at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. She was elected to the Institute of Medicine of the National Academy of Science for her national, international, and humanitarian work in the treatment of patients with cancer pain. She currently serves as the medical director of the International Palliative Care Initiative of the Open Society Foundation, focusing on transforming the culture of death in America. Dr. Foley, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Glad to be here. The movie is about the global need for palliative care as a pressing humanitarian outreach. For those who don't know, what is palliative care? Palliative care is a a definition um, put forth by the World Health Organization, which basically is an approach to improve the care of patients with advanced, serious, life-limiting illness. And it focuses on the management of patient symptoms, addresses their psychosocial needs, their psychological needs, and provides spiritual support, not just to the patient, but also to their family. Hospice care has been a term most commonly used in the United States that focuses on the care patients at the end of life. But palliative care is a broader term um, and in a way wants to upstream all of the uh, extraordinary positive aspects of hospice to patients who have serious life-limiting illnesses but who may not be uh, dying at that point in time. Life-limiting illnesses is an important distinction. Dr. Foley, what are some of those life-limiting illnesses that are non-cancerous? Clearly, um, HIV-AIDS. And we know that concurrent palliative care with people um, with um, AIDS uh, can improve their adherence to treatment. And also, um, we know that for patients uh, who have advanced TB. We know that palliative care can be enormously effective for patients um, who are geriatric patients and who have chronic illness like chronic congestive heart failure or chronic neurodegenerative disease or even Alzheimer's disease. Kathy, what is your impression of this documentary? Well, the documentary is, a, is um, it really quite an extraordinary one because it goes around the world, literally, through various continents and talks and lets you hear the narratives of the palliative care experience by people in various different countries. And in a way, it points out what the deficits are and what the challenges are. But again, at the same time, you can see this sort of extraordinary opportunities. So I think it's a little bit hard for people to watch uh, because it's uh, a difficult topic. But at the same time, you 
you know, immediately are taken up uh, with the um, enormous um, compassion, uh, dignity, and um, extraordinary care programs that are ongoing for patients and their families. That's helpful. When we come back, we'll talk about the emotional impact of Life Before Death, Mike Hill's documentary film. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. And one only has to then be in a developing country, be in a country that has incredibly low resources, and see that very small doses of morphine given to a very ill patient who may often not have many other resources. And to see how that simple use of a simple cost-effective drug can dramatically change that person from lying on the ground not eating to sitting up, sitting up, talking with his family, conversing. Why would we not do this? Welcome back. Dr. Foley, your message there in the movie is powerful and highlights the life-transforming effects of just a small amount of morphine. Scenes like that almost brought me to tears. What was your reaction? Well, I thought it really wonderfully represented the various programs, and it was um, it, it really did bring me to tears, um, simply because you saw in this, these personal narratives the um, ability of people to express how difficult their circumstances were, uh, the pain that they were experiencing, and then the opportunities where drugs were made available to treat their pain, uh, where physicians, um, nurses, and other healthcare professionals were caring for them, and that communities came together, saw this as an important issue, and provided care. Yeah, you know, it's clear that when access to opioids like morphine is available, community members mobilize in support of the person in pain. Kathy, how serious is the problem of untreated pain at the end of life? Uh, it's very serious. Um, even in the best of times, and we're in the best of times, we might say, about 50% of cancer patients are still not effectively treated for their pain. And these are patients even with advanced illness. And if we look at the global cancer um, mortality, um, there are more than 12.7 million patients diagnosed every year with cancer. 7.6 of them are going to die from cancer, and we have 29 million cancer survivors. So we have a large number of people with cancer in whom uh, pain is a significant problem. These are enormous needs of this patient population, and we need to be able to address it. And I think the film points out clearly the critical issues of patients at the end of life. I agree. I think many viewers would be surprised to realize that this is not just a problem in developing countries like India or Uganda, is it? No, no, no. And then one could argue that in these countries, they're at least being very thoughtful about how they could be able to provide um, approaches for patients at a home-based level. Um, this, but this is, a, an interna- this is an international problem. It, it was argued that, the, that people in India didn't have that much pain or people in Nepal or people in Singapore or people in um, Uganda. And yet when you see these patients and you evaluate them and you care for them, you see that they're expressing their physical pain in very much the same way that um, anyone does around the world. Absolutely. And I thought that the film depicted your point very well. In your experience, what are some of the most common cancerous and non-cancerous conditions that cause pain at the end of life? Well, if we were to talk simply about cancer, it's most typically related to tumor invading either nerve or invading, invading bone. So patients will have 
tumors in their bone or tumors pressing on nerve that are extraordinarily painful. So that's sort of one type. But if we move from cancer and then just move to a general geriatric population, then there we see uh, patients who have lots of muscular skeletal pain as, as a type of pain that they experience. And if we move to patients with HIV AIDS, we see them having pain associated with opportunistic infections, um, or we see them having pain associated with the medications that they're receiving that produce what's called a peripheral neuropathy or painful feet and painful hands. I think it's important to note that both cancerous pain and non-cancerous pain can be equally debilitating. Kathy, a patient featured in the film named Don from the United States with abdominal cancer mentions that when he talks about using methadone for his pain, friends look at him differently. Is this an attitude that you see in your practice of palliative medicine? The knowledge of the public about these drugs is all what they have learned from the misuse of the drugs, not from the proper use. So I think one of the major efforts in trying to help patients who have significant medical illness and pain is to understand the distinction um, of how these drugs work effectively for their pain, um, can be used safely and effectively, um, and they may become physically dependent on them, but they do not become addicted to them. But as Don said, when he said this to his fan- these friends, they were like, well, then you must be a drug addict if you're taking methadone because methadone is a drug, of t- drug use for substitution therapy for addicts. It's a stigma that patients with pain have to live with, um, particularly cancer patients, because people say, well, why would you be taking those drugs? Um, Isn't there something else you could be doing? Yes, it is astounding that that stigma exists. Join us next time for part two of this show when Mike Hill, the director, writer, and producer, shares some powerful behind-the-scenes moments that he experienced while filming this documentary. And Dr. Kathleen Foley will give us the hope that we need to ease our fear of dying a painful death. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Here's an email from Jackie in Colorado Springs, Colorado. What's safe to take for pain during pregnancy? Are aspirin and ibuprofen safe? Well, well, Jackie, in general, pregnant women shouldn't use aspirin regularly because it's associated with an increased risk of something called gastroschisis, which is a, an abdominal wall defect that causes herniation of the intestines in the fetus. Ibuprofen and naproxen during the first trimester don't seem to cause birth defects, but drugs like these can reduce the amount of amniotic fluid and can prolong labor and pregnancy. In general, anti-inflammatory medicines should be avoided in the third trimester. And we have a question from Donald in Terre Haute, Indiana. I'm 65 years old and was reasonably fit and active until three months ago when I was diagnosed with polymyalgia rheumatica. All major joints are affected, but the worst pain is in both shoulders. I can't use my arms for lifting, performing household tasks, opening items, grooming, or dressing for very long. A rheumatologist has given me prednisone to take for six weeks. What treatments seem to be the most effective? Donald, polymyalgia rheumatica is an inflammatory disorder involving pain and stiffness in the hip or shoulder area. The cause is unknown, and the treatment is usually steroids. It may take one or more years of steroid treatment to really help with the symptoms. Some patients find relief from tramadol, also known as Ultram, or even opioids. 
if you have evidence of inflammatory arthritis, diclofenac gel for the joints of the arms and legs or diclofenac solution for the knee are both FDA approved to reduce the pain of osteoarthritis of these joints. Since you're taking a steroid though, using an anti-inflammatory medicine should be done cautiously. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vohr and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.